Dig of the Dump, page 25. Grandmother and Lou were late getting back from the town, so he had time to get the chalk out of his nails and hair and to look fairly respectable for lunch. They were too full of talk about how they had spent their morning to question him much about what he had been doing. Over the stewed apples, he was able to say quietly, Granny, have you got anything you don't want? Things I don't want, dear, Grandmother repeated. What sort of things? Chilblains? Grandchildren? No, Granny, I mean things like windows and chimneys. Grandmother thought about this for a moment and then said that really she couldn't think of anything like windows and chimneys except windows and chimneys and she thought that the house had only just enough of these to go around. And Lou just laughed and said, Really, Barney? Then Grandmother said it did remind her that there were some tins and jam jars she had meant to put out for the dustbin man and perhaps Barney would be a dear and carry them to the gate. There were more jam jars than Barney had ever thought possible, and quite a lot of useful tins, the sort with lids. Barney looked at them. The dustbin man wouldn't say thank you for them, he thought. Why shouldn't Stig have them? He remembered a big wooden box which Grandfather had helped him fix wheels onto, so that he and Lou could use it as a cart. He searched round and found it among the firewood, but still with its four wheels, more or less straight, and the piece of rope on the front to pull it with. He loaded it with jam jars and tins and found it quite a weight when he set off across the paddock with it. He looked at Flash, the pony, as he struggled through the clump of long grass and called rather crossly. You might come and help pull instead of standing there. But he knew that Flash took a lot of persuading to be caught for Lou to ride him, let alone for pulling carts. The pony just stood and watched, tossing his head now and then at the afternoon flies. By the time Barney had got his load to the edge of the pit, he was quite tired but there was still the problem of getting them to the bottom. He sat on the camel's neck, tree trunk. The string was still there. It was the thick brown sort, and he thought it would be strong enough for a few jam jars. He called it to Stig, and after a time Stig came out backwards, like a badger with its bedding, dragging a load of chalk. I've got some things for you, Stig. Barney called. He pulled up the string and took the end to the pile of jam jars. About eight of them were packed in a cardboard box. It would take too long to pass them down one by one, so he tied the string round the box, took it carefully along the tree trunk and started to lower it. This wasn't nearly as easy as the carrots. The box swung wildly. The string round it started slipping. The part he was holding tried to run through his fingers and burned his hands. He took a turn round the stump of the branch and let it run out round that, hardly daring to look down to see what was happening. He hoped Stig wouldn't get a jam jar on his head. 
The box was hanging by one corner when it reached the ground. But instead of untying it, Stig disappeared into his den. Hey, Stig, undo it, Barney called. There's some more to come. Stig came out again, holding what was left of a large, broad-brimmed lady's straw hat, with ribbons to tie it under her chin. He untied the string from the box and tied it to the ribbons. It made quite a useful-looking cargo sling. Jolly good idea, Stig, Barney shouted. Stig's got brains, he thought. After that, it was quite easy. He hauled up the hat, filled it with jam jars, lowered it down with the string running round the stump of the branch, waited for Stig to unload, hauled it up again, and so on. When he had finished the jam jars, he started on the tins, which were much lighter. And when he had lowered all the tins, he looked at the truck. How strong is string, he wondered. Could he send the truck down in the same way? If he didn't, he would have to trundle it all the way round the top and along the bottom of the pit. He wound the string a few times round the branch stump, leaving enough loose to reach the truck on the cliff top, humped himself along the tree trunk, tied the string to a wheel of the truck, moved back along the trunk and pulled the truck towards him by the string. The truck lurched over the edge of the cliff, swung wildly outwards on the string, which ran out so fast that he couldn't stop it until a tangle in the string made it stop with a jerk. The string broke and the truck was falling through the air. Barney held on for dear life to the tree, with his face against the mossy bark and shut his eyes. He felt weak and dizzy. At last he allowed himself to look down. He couldn't see the truck at first. Then he saw that it had swung out to land in the branches of an elder tree and was hanging there quite happily. I've sent the truck down, he called to Stig. It may come in useful. He was still feeling what his grandmother used to call hot and cold all over. But he carefully inched himself off the tree and onto the firm ground and set off round and down to the pit. A pit he couldn't let himself down on a rope. But no, he thought, he wouldn't try just yet. His idea of sending the things down on the string had been a good one, though. He thought to himself as he walked through the corpse. Another day he'd have to find some more tins and jam jars to send down. He hoped Stig liked them. They would come in useful for, for, well, things like that always came in useful. If you kept them long enough. By the time he had got to the den, Stig had untangled the truck from the tree and was squatting looking at it, and at the tins and jam jars. And then Barney wondered what they were going to do with them. These are jam jars, Stig, he explained. Jam and marmalade come in them, and you can use them for keeping stuff in them. Rice and coffee and things like that. But did Stig want to keep rice and coffee in his den? And these are tins. They're empty, of course, 
but you get all sorts of things in tins. Peaches and baked beans. You have to open them with an opener like this. He took out of his pocket a tin opener which he usually carried about with him. It was the sort with the butterfly handle which you had to turn. Just to show, he fitted it on the bottom of one of the empty tins and twisted the handle. The opener crept round the edges of the tin. The blade ploughed into the metal at the bottom and soon the shiny round disc of metal came loose. Stig was fascinated. He looked at the flat round piece of tin which had been the bottom. He looked at the empty tube which was all that was left of the rest of it. And he took the tin opener from Barney and turned the handle. But he couldn't make it out. It's quite easy Stig, look! And Barney took another tin, fitted the opener on the bottom and showed him how it worked. And there was another round plate and another tin tube. Then Stig had to have a go and they started on a third. One of the tins had been rather flattened, but it gave Barney an idea for how it might be used. He took it, left Stig with the others, and towed the truck into the den and along to the place where Stig had been digging at chalk. There was quite a lot of loose rubble lying about there, and Barney set to work to shovel it into the truck with the flattened tin. It was certainly better than using his hands, though it wasn't quite the right sort of shovel shape yet. He hammered at it with an unbroken flint stone and made it into quite a handy scoop, like the sort the village grocer used for shoveling sugar into little paper bags. He toiled away until the truck was heaped full. It held much more chalk than the tin bath, and because of its wheels he could pull it away quite easily. Look Stig, he said as he went past where Stig was sitting, look at all the chalk I've loaded. But Stig seemed too busy to notice. Barney wheeled the truck along to the place where they were now dumping the chalk and tipped out his load. Then he ran back to the den with the truck bouncing along empty behind him. When he got back, Stig was sitting there surrounded by round plates of tin and empty tubes, and just in the act of taking the bottom out of the last tin. Stig, what are you doing? exclaimed Barney. You've spoiled all the tins now. You can't keep things in tins with no bottoms. He was really quite annoyed. What was the use of a lot of tin tubes with no ends? Stig sat there playing with them. He seemed to have the idea of fitting one inside the other. But that wouldn't work because they were all exactly the same size. However, one of them that had got a bit pinched did fit into another, which seemed to please him a lot. Barney thought it was a bit childish of Stig to sit there playing like a baby with plastic bricks when there was all that work to be done. But Stig went on seriously worrying over the problem of fitting them together. He found that by pinching together the end of a tin, he could make it fit into the next one.
and soon he had four or five fitted together like a length of a stove pipe. Stove pipe! Barney knew there was something Stig needed badly. You are clever, Stig, he said. You've made a chimney. Stig looked blank. He didn't know he needed a chimney. He didn't know what a chimney was. Certainly he'd made one. But if he hadn't been Barney, he wouldn't have known. Working together, they fitted all the tin ones into the other until they had a pipe that was taller than either of them. With Barney directing, they carried it into the smoky den, where it was too long to stand upright. Now, all we've got to do is poke it through the roof, said Barney. Stig looked doubtfully at him, but together they managed quite easily to push it through a crack between a piece of linolin and a sheet of corrugated iron. But now what? They couldn't just leave it hanging above the fire. I know, exclaimed Barney, the bath! He left Stig patiently holding the chimney and went and fetched the tin bath. What luck! It had a rusty hole in the bottom which only needed a little work with a boot scraper to make it big enough to fit the chimney through. Stig was dimly beginning to see what Barney was trying to do. Together they built up a fireplace of chalk blocks and big flints, rested the bath upside down on top, and there was a mantelpiece and chimney, with the flue leading from the hole in the upturned bath, through the roof and into the open air. Barney lit the fire, which Stig had laid as they built the fireplace and threw some additional scraps of paper and twigs onto it. Once the smoke had learnt its way, it went roaring up the pipe. Pipe, sorry. They rushed outside, and there it was coming out of what looked like a proper chimney pot sticking through the roof. Stig watched, fascinated. There you go, Stig, said Barney. Now you've got a proper fireplace. People can come and visit you without getting their eyes full of smoke. Actually, Stig didn't seem to care very much about having the place full of smoke, but he was as pleased with his fireplace as if it had been a new toy and kept on putting twigs and leaves on the fire so that he could go out and see the smoke coming out the other end. And Barney was so proud of his invention that he looked round for something else to invent. He saw the stack of jam jars. What had he brought for those? It would be too dull just to use them to keep food in. Stig's den wasn't that sort of place. He had to think of a new way of using jam jars. What had he thought Stig's house needed most? A chimney. He'd got that now. A chimney and yes, a window. A window. Well, windows were made of glass and so were jam jars. Yes, but the shape. Doors were made of wood and so were clothes pegs. Ships were made of steel and so were tin openers. But you can't make a ship out of tin openers or a door out of clothes pegs. The shape's wrong. You couldn't hammer glass flat, 
could you? He picked up a boot scraper. No, of course not. Stig had stacked the jars on top of each other, lying on their sides. They made a sort of wall of glass, like that. But they rolled about, and of course there were gaps between the jars. Barney looked at one side of the den, the darkest side, which really needed windows. It was built of wooden boxes from the dump, bottoms outwards, open tops inwards. He took the digging tool and knocked the bottom of one. There was now an open square where the daylight came in. But so did the wind, and Stig didn't seem at all pleased at sitting in a draught. Stig's like to be snug, thought Barney. He carried the jars in and stacked them in the frame of the box. They fitted quite well. The light came in, but the draught came in too. Stig got up and looked at the gaps between the jam jars, grunted and went out of the den. Barney followed him, wondering. Stig led the way along the bottom of the cliff to where there had lately been a landslide and quite a large chunk of cliff top had come down in one piece. Between the topsoil and the chalk there was a layer of red clay, good damp squidgy stuff you could make model animals with. Stig began to dig out lumps of clay with his fingers and Barney found another good clay mine and did the same. They got as much as they could carry and took it back to the den. And from the outside, Stig set to work to fill the gaps between the jam jars. They had to make two more journeys before all the jars were firmly bedded in clay. And then Barney carefully wiped the smears off the bottoms of the jars with a rag.